Let's open our Bibles to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. Jesus said in verse 23 of Luke chapter 9, He said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross daily and follow me. This is the Lord's statement about true discipleship. A brother came to me before the service, and I appreciate it very much, and said, Have you picked a title for your sermon yet? And I said, Well, I have Take Up Your Cross Daily. He said, Well, what about the essence of Christianity? Because this is the essence of Christianity. This is serving Jesus Christ. The disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. We saw that this morning, Acts chapter 11, verse 26. Disciples are called Christians. What is a disciple? A disciple is a person that wants to do, Luke 9, 23, that wants to come after, follow after, chase the Lord Jesus Christ, see him, hear him, follow him, obey him, submit to him and learn from him. A disciple, a follower, a student, a pupil. And the, the rule is, if any man will come after me that wants to be one of my disciples, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. As I said this morning, the most important word of Luke 9.23 is daily. daily. Amen. Let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. But now I want to go back to Matthew 16 just for a moment. We're not going to review what I did this morning. But I must cause us to read what Jesus said to Peter one more time. Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 20. Jesus is revealed as the Christ, the Son of the living God, with kingdom authority and power over the gates of hell. And Peter would be a principal member of that kingdom. But then Jesus began to tell his disciples in verse 21 that he was going to go to Jerusalem and suffer many things and be killed. That wasn't very exciting to Peter. And so Peter rebukes our Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 22, Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. Be it far from thee, Lord. Peter, in his impulsive concept of what the kingdom of God was and what he desired, and Jesus rebuked him the way that he he ought to have been rebuked, and Jesus is perfectly righteous. In these words, in verse 23, he turned... And said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me. How do I tell you what those words are like coming from the Lord Jesus Christ? Thou art an offense to me. You want a kingdom that is not like my kingdom. My kingdom at this time is suffering and death. There would be glory. Our kingdom right now is suffering and death. There will be glory. It's a far more an exceeding and eternal weight of glory than the light affliction that we have for a moment. Thou art an offense to me. When we miss the true description and nature of the kingdom of God and true discipleship, we are an offense to Jesus Christ. This church in the past, has been an offense to Jesus Christ. I take the responsibility for that. But I don't care about it anymore, except to tell you about it. Because Jesus Christ has forgiven me and this church by His precious blood. And it's all ancient history. We are not going to be an offense to Jesus Christ. Not while we're still a we. I hope you understand that and I mean it in love. I'm here as the ambassador of your king. We are not going to be an offense to Jesus Christ. Though the whole world persecute us for being different, we are going to be true disciples to the best of our ability and the strength of God to help us. He turned and said to Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me. For thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Peter was savoring, thinking about, meditating upon, considering and liking, loving things as measured by men. Comfort, ease, peace, prosperity, fame, power, 
All the things that men want. And Jesus said, that is not my kingdom. My kingdom is different. It's suffering and dying. And you don't savor the things that be of God. You're thinking the way a man thinks. And we are to hate the way the world thinks and to love the way God thinks. And I want to tell you that if you will learn Luke 9.23 and this verse right here, it is the route to your greatest happiness in this life. And it's the source of joy because it is the unhindered Spirit of God that can operate in a life like this that savors, loves the delectable things of Jesus Christ's kingdom. And that is suffering and death now and glory later. Not glory now because we don't like suffering and death. Suffering and death with glory later. What, when we read Fox's Book of Martyrs, would you call it glory? It's glory. Yep. The way they were able to die. Amen. How can you stand at a post and have someone light the sticks around you and burn a slow death and stand there? That's, something's operating in those saints that's glorious. Amen. And that's because there's the power of the Spirit of God in them because they were savoring the things of the kingdom of God as it truly is. That's all in the way of reminder. I, lo- I love this verse so much in light of Luke 9.23, Matthew 16.23 is of such weight for you to realize how easily, do you realize Peter had just said, when Jesus said, but who do you say that I am? Peter had just said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus had just said, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but my Father gave you that special revelation, Peter. And a few minutes later, he's rebuking the Lord, be that far from thee. That's how easy we can slip. And my point about daily, which is what I want to finish with with this evening, and we are going to finish on time, my brethren, so don't you even think about it. I'll think about it. I have 18 tracks, 17 of which usually bother me while I'm preaching to you. But I will get done on time. But what I want you to hear is daily. Daily and cross and take up and deny yourself. Because that is what, that is savory. That is a good meal. That is the fatness of the house of the Lord. That is to learn to be like Jesus Christ. Back to Luke chapter 9 and verse 23. Luke 9, 23. Never talk about the carnal Christianity in the perilous times of our generation without either being very willing or actually getting a few sentences in about how easily we can be there but for the grace of God. Or you don't know yourself. If I lay down my cross, a little sister told me this morning, one minute, if you lay down your cross for about one minute, do you feel yourself self-sliding? Now, if you've never carried the cross, you don't even know what it means to backslide because you've never been there. But for those that have been there, you lay down that cross for a minute, you know what's inside you. There are are lusts that are just craving sin and rebellion against Jesus Christ that wants its own way. And Jesus says, deny yourself. And there's a whole world, there's a world out there that knows that. And so intimately and personally, the world can get to you if you don't have your cross up. Intimately and personally, because it can come right inside you. Those television commercials, you want to talk about a conspiracy, let's talk about one that works and that counts. And that is the conspiracy of Satan behind television and other forms of medium media in our nation that we have a, a, a soul that's full of lust and they know how to intimately get right to it by design because they're just designing what is in their lust because all our lusts are the same because we're all children walking around like puppets obeying the prince of the power of the air. And you know where radio and TV signals travel, don't you? That's just for whatever it's worth. Luke chapter 9 and verse 23, he's the prince of the power of the air. And he can, but what, I'm, what I want to get is he speaks to us intimately and personally. If, we're not, if we don't have a cross up, one of my last points t- tonight is that if you are carrying your cross, Satan in the world hardly has a chance. If you are following Jesus Christ by taking up your cross and living the life of self-denial and have it before you and understand it, Satan in the world don't have a chance. 
Paul was able to lead a victorious Christian life. Jesus said we can lead victorious Christian lives. We won't be without sin, but when we sin, that cross will still be there and we'll plead its efficacy by the blood of Jesus Christ, be forgiven, and we'll keep right on going. We We won't destroy ourselves. Luke 9, 23, Jesus said, If any man will come after me, and this is true Christianity, this is why we meet. There is no other reason we should come together except to fulfill and obey this verse. I told you this morning that if we're not going to keep this verse, our church is vanity. Our truth is vanity. Our gospel is vanity. Who cares that we have the King James Bible or understand the flood of Joshua 24, verses 3 and 4? All that matters is if we're going to live for Jesus Christ as he lived for us when he was here in this world. If any man will come after me, what an offer, what an invitation, what simple conditions to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Now this morning, I tried to make it practical because I want to make it practical. I don't want this to be mystical. I don't want this to be difficult to understand. How do we deny ourselves? You want things that are not right. You children want to disobey sometimes. Your mother tells you to do something, you don't want to do it. So you try to avoid it. That's disobeying your parents and it's disobeying God. Do you know what Jesus Christ says? Deny yourself. You want to go play instead? Don't go play. Go do what your parents asked you to do. Do the dishes, clean your room, take the trash out, rake the yard. Whatever they said, that's what it means to deny yourself. You want to play, but you know you need to do what your parents said first. Deny yourself. Don't do what you want to do. Do what your parents want you to do. That's what it means to deny yourself. To all of us, we have relationships. Our marriage relationship is so important. Is there anything that is not perfect in your marriage relationship? What are you doing about it? It has nothing to do with your spouse. We always want to make excuses. But Jesus doesn't allow any excuses. He says, deny yourselves. You know, we want to deny our partner. Maybe if I deny my partner long enough, my partner will see that they're not doing something right, and so they'll change there and come around to me. That's how we think. Jesus says, deny yourself. Do you know what that means? Even if you have an imperfect spouse, even if you have an imperfect spouse, then deny yourself and go after them. And this is something we can do daily. daily. Oh, yes, we can. Daily, we can go after our spouse and deny ourselves. We have pride. We have selfishness. We have habits. We have past pain, which is called bitterness, which is a sin. All of it should just be blown out the window. And Jesus Christ would say, deny yourself. Deny yourself which means to give to the other. Deny yourself and sit down with your children and teach them the Word of God. Deny yourself and have more time to prepare for these worship services. Deny yourself 15 extra minutes of sleep in the morning and read the Word of God and pray. Deny yourself. You're not hanging on a cross yet. You're not going to bleed if you get up 15 minutes early. The life of a Christian in this world Because he has saved us out of a polluted, corrupt place. And he has saved us to be his peculiar people, zealous of good works. It is a life of self-denial. Do not ever deceive yourselves. There is not a way to compromise with the world where you can be a Christian and have the good life. The good life as defined by the world. The good life is even being close to that defined by the world. The good life comes through denying yourself for Jesus Christ's sake. Does your temperament make it easy to talk too much? Well, then you're excused. Does your temperament make it difficult for you to talk at all? Well, then you're excused because it's your temperament. Deny yourself. Talk to yourself and tell yourself what you think about stinking temperaments and do what you're supposed to do overcome your temperament by the power of God he'll give you the grace just purpose to do it deny yourself your temperament wants to get mad deny yourself 
Your temperament wants to go into a shell and punish your partner by not talking for two days, two hours, or two weeks? Deny yourself that wickedness and talk to your partner. Don't let me hear excuses about temperament. Jesus didn't say, I've studied this verse, I've turned it upside down, I've pulled it apart until it was real thin. I couldn't find any references in there about temperaments being an excuse. He just says, deny yourself. And I know that our temperaments cause us to do things sometimes that we excuse. Let's deny ourselves. We read another verse this morning that said, He that tries to save his life in this world is going to lose it, and he that loses his life for my sake shall find it. What I want to tell you by that, and and I can't stay here long because I said I wouldn't stay here long, because I don't want to give you any sugar. But since Jesus gives a little bit, I'm going to give a little bit. Because the real point is, if there isn't any, he's still worthy of it. Amen. He's Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God. One second of seeing him in glory, one second of seeing Jesus Christ glorified, you have never paid any price worthy of admission to that sight. Look at Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. It's in all three Gospels again, but I Mark's is a little fuller, so we go there for this statement. Mark chapter 10. Peter is usually the one speaking before he should. But we like Peter because we know that sometimes we speak before we should, and we're thankful that God was so merciful to Peter and used Peter greatly, even though he usually spoke before he should have spoken. Jesus has just dealt with a rich young ruler and said how difficult it is for a rich people to enter the kingdom of God because they don't want to live a life of self-denial and of taking up their cross. They like the good life. It's difficult for the rich to be in the kingdom of heaven, and there have been precious few of them. That's why when you look among the churches of Jesus Christ, there's very few rich and there's very few of what we call the pretty people of society. That's why 1 Corinthians chapter 1 says the churches of Christ are made up of the base things of this world and the poor and the foolish and the weak so that he can bring to naught the things that think they're something by saving the pitiful people of this life. These churches that are made up of the mayors and the city council and the county council and the attorneys and the doctors just by their membership without ever looking at a doctrinal statement you can know they are not the church of Jesus Christ. You say, you say, does that mean that an attorney, a doctor, a mayor, a city councilman can never be saved? That's just what the disciples said. And Jesus said, with God, all things are possible, but it's very rare. It's just exactly what the disciples said. But if you see a church full of them, it cannot be the church of Jesus Christ. It doesn't look a bit like the church of Jesus Christ. Jesus has just finished that lesson about the rich young ruler in verse 27. For with God all things are possible. Then Peter began to say unto him, Mark 10, 28, Lo, we have left all and have followed thee. Now that sounds like a life of self-denial and taking up his cross. And it is. Jesus answered and said, and here's what I want to give you tonight about a life of self-denial. Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake and the gospels. But he shall receive an hundredfold now in this time houses, and brethren, and sisters, and mothers, and children, and lands with persecutions, and in the world to come, eternal life. Amen. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ for His incredible mercy. Amen. Whatever you give up in your life of self-denial, and notice, He does not say whatever you give up in order to get His reward. He says whatever you give up for My sake, He will give you that reward. But you give it up for His sake with no claim on a reward. You give up a wife, He'll replace your wife. Thank you. Thank you. If you give up things, he will replace it. We have in this church many mothers 
I have many brothers. I have many sisters. We have houses that we're welcomed into as if they are our own. We have much more in this world, and it can be better the more we live the life of self-denial. Right. In this life, a hundredfold with persecutions. There's a little bit of persecution there. We'd want that, don't we? Amen. We want some persecution so that we can look more like the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Right. And in the world to come, eternal life. I haven't even had to give up my children yet. And I had some more children this afternoon at lunch. I had a precious little three-year-old sitting next to me that I took through a buffet line myself and had so much fun feeding her food off my fork, which I hope her mother doesn't gag at. And I'm just telling... It was precious. She's my daughter. She's my daughter in Christ. She's three years old. She's a pretty little girl. I was trying things on her. I want to see if she liked pepperoni plain. And lots of little things. But the Lord has blessed us with a congregation to replace things that we might give up. We have a sister sitting on the back row that came a long way to be a part of this congregation. I'm her brother. She may have given up some brothers, but I'm her brother. And I know that others of you are her brothers because she just got to fly because her brothers wanted her to fly back home. This is what Jesus Christ promises. It's, It's wonderful. We don't deserve any of it in this life or in the life or in the world to come. But he promises us so much. The life of self-denial. The point being, why I went here is this. Jesus said, you try to save your life, you'll lose it. We all have secret sins. We all have pet sins. We all have personal sins. We all have sins that easily beset us. We all have things that we like. Those are the lusts of our flesh, the lusts of our eyes, and the pride of life. Those are the things we must deny. And we must search ourselves to find out what we've seen, what our bodies crave, or what our pride wants that we're willing to put down and give up and deny. And if you do that, you will find happiness, fulfillment, and satisfaction in this life. You try to hold on to those little things and keep them because you don't want to give up all the goodies. If I give up all the goodies, I'll be like a monk. I'll be praying all the time and singing all the time. I mean, wow. But I want to tell you something. Those words coming out of my mouth right now, if you are in the flesh, just sound ridiculous and crazy. Because if you're in the flesh, you can't even think about living in the Spirit. You don't know what it would be like. You may not even ever have been there. Because the closer you are to living in the Spirit, the happier you are, and the fuller your joy, and the peace, and prayer and singing is a blessing and a privilege. There's no, there's no need or time for me to tell you or for us to raise stories or illustrations of men who've tried to find happiness in this life. I've tried it a number of different ways, and happiness is only found in the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't need personal testimonies. You need the testimony of the Word of God, and Amen. it says it there. Solomon tried more than all of us could ever try combined together, even in our imaginations. And he said it was all vanity and vexation of his spirit. And the whole duty was to fear God and to keep his commandments and deny himself and to take up his cross and follow Christ because eventually there'd be a judgment and he'd be measured by how much he served Christ. Amen. Luke 9, 23. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, which we've looked at. But now we want to look at the words... And take up his cross. Luke 9, 23. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. When I said deny himself, you all want to do things that you are used to doing. You have lusts. You want it your way. You want to say the things that you're thinking. You want to act the way that you have been acting. You want to mistreat someone. You want to deprive your wife. You want to be rough to your wife. You want to be harsh. You want to be selfish. Jesus says, deny yourself. I have no more time on those words. You should all know, if you are listening to me and want to serve this Lord Jesus Christ that I'm representing, you should know all the things in your life where you try to get your way. Deny yourself. You know where you do not let the Lord Jesus Christ have full control of your life and where you do not give him the time, attention, and read his word and pray to him as you should. Deny yourself and give him that. 
This world is a world of satisfy yourself. I can't get no satisfaction. It's an entire world bent on satisfaction of its lusts. Christians live a life of denial, self-denial. And they're going to be blessed so abundantly. And those who wanted the satisfaction of this world, I wonder how long the memories will last in hell. Amen. How long? How many degrees Fahrenheit will it reduce the heat, the memories of this life, for an eternity in hell? Take up your cross. What's the cross? The cross is a block of wood that looks like a T, a small T, on which men were crucified to death by the Roman government. That's what a cross was. It was a chunk of wood on which men were crucified, had nails driven through their hands and through their feet that would suspend them there, and their body would tear apart, and their ligaments would separate, and they would eventually die of suffocation, loss of blood, and other problems while hanging there on that block of wood. Jesus says, let him deny himself and take up my cross. You know, I see a bunch of Catholics going around with a chain around their neck, and they've got a little cross right here with Jesus hanging on it, and they like to pick it up and it'll scare away boogeymen in the dark. But Jesus doesn't say, pick up my cross. He says, let every man pick up his cross, because we each have our cross to bear. What is a cross? What is taking up our cross? Taking up our cross is very simple. Let's not get mystical about it. Taking up our cross is choosing to deny ourselves those things that Christ condemns. It's not out of context with the rest of this verse. Taking up our cross is choosing to live a life of suffering and death to worldly things. Taking up our cross is choosing to endure the loss of all things for the cause of Christ. Taking up our cross is choosing to live for the pleasure of Jesus Christ at any cost. That's taking up your cross. I'm willing to live a life of sacrifice. I'm willing to live a life with some pain. I'm willing to live a life with some loss. For the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ, that is the Christian life. Take up your cross daily. If you don't take up your cross daily, you cannot be my disciple. Luke 14, verses 25 through 33. Taking up your cross is your cross. Those sacrifices you make by denying yourself... Those sacrifices you make by bearing pain and suffering and loss in your life, not having the job you could have had if you could have moved away from your church, not having the wife that you could have had if you would have left the one that you're with, denying yourself all those things, taking up your cross and being part of a small church like this and following Christ not finding your satisfaction in house or lands or cars or jobs or things or clothes or money, but in Jesus Christ himself. Amen. When we take up our cross, it doesn't mean that we lay down on our cross and then whine about our horrible fate as martyrs. Amen. Do you all understand why I say that? Right. The minute that there comes out the littlest noise of your difficulties in life, you are not taking up your cross. Right. You are laying on your cross and saying, please write me down in the Catholic list of martyrs. You are not being a disciple of Jesus Christ because the disciples of Jesus Christ don't complain right. because it is their joy to serve their Lord. Just like it was the joy of Jesus Christ to obey His Father. For the joy that was set before Him, I'll say it again, he endured the cross, despising the shame. We despise the cost. It's our pleasure to give it to the Lord. Did Paul in Philippians chapter 3 sound like he was begrudging the fact that all things were but dung to him? No. He, he was wishing he had more things to count but dung. Amen. Everything in his life was dung to him and a total loss and a total write-off. And that must be our our thought process, that must be our attitude, our spirit. When it says take up our cross, it's not, okay, I'll take up my cross. The pastor wants us to go to bed early on Saturday night, get up early on Sunday morning, pray for the services, read my Bible every day. Oh, there just isn't any time. Sit down with the kids, love my wife, 
Oh, I'll do it. I'll do it. Don't do it. I've got 450 Baptist churches in Greenville that want you as a member. And I'm not your enemy. I love every one of you, every single one of you, and I pray for you, and it is my heart's desire that every one of you will fall into Luke 9, 23 and live for Jesus Christ. Right. But if you don't want to, there's a whole lot of churches out there for where for 55 minutes you can feel good and you can go home in your tank top and shorts and live any way you want. And they will tell you that you are booked for heaven, baby. Amen. Don't, don't, don't. Let me hear your complaining. I don't hear Jesus Christ complaining while he's hanging on that cross. I hear him wanting to forgive those that were nailing him there. I hear him saying, Father, if there's any other way, please. Nevertheless, not my will. That's self-denial in the ultimate. Not my will, but thine be done. We each have a cross, and on that cross we're supposed to nail anything that displeases our Lord Jesus Christ. Are you willing to take up your cross and follow Him? And that is to crucify and nail there anything that He does not want in your life. Look at Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. I know there are people in this assembly that claim this verse to be their life verse. Galatians 2 and verse 20. If it's your life verse, then you ought to live this life. And this life is one of death. This life is one of crucifixion. This is, life is one of taking up your cross. Galatians 2. We're going to look at several verses in Galatians because in the book of Galatians, Paul found some churches that in order to reduce the persecution of the Jews and to be compatible with them, they believed in salvation by grace and circumcision so that the offense of the cross of Jesus Christ would be reduced. So they wouldn't have to pay the price. So that they wouldn't have to deny so much. So they wouldn't have to take up such a horrible cross of just that's so offensive to the Jews as long as we're whacking off a little bit of skin and believing in salvation by grace, we can get along with both parties, Jews and Gentiles. So along comes Paul in this epistle. And in Galatians 2.20 he says, I am crucified with Christ. That's taking up your cross. Nevertheless, I live. I die in a way, but I'm still alive. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Jesus Christ died for Paul. Paul thought it was a fair trade for him to die for Jesus Christ. And his death was not a complete death because he was still alive. And the life that he still had was one filled with the power of the faith of the Son of God. But his death was to everything in this world. He died to it. He died to selfishness. He died to complaining. He died to wanting his own way. He died to his resume. He died to peace and home comfort. Because Paul went everywhere without a wife, without children, without comfort, clothes, without food, without anything. For the cause of Christ. Because he crucified himself. I'm dead. There's nothing left of Paul except what Jesus Christ wants to inhabit and live through. There's nothing left of me. All I see is Christ. Remember, what does it say down there? Do you want me to pick it up and carry it around? I could right now, one hand. But it says down there, for to me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. That was Paul. He was totally lost in Christ and he was willing to shuck anything in this world and he did it all. He did it all. So we have Galatians 2.20 and the words you should take out of it are the first five. I am crucified with Christ. He took up his cross. Jesus was crucified for Paul. Paul was willing to be crucified for Jesus. And he doesn't ask us to go to a literal cross. He just asks us to give up the lust of the flesh that war against our soul and the things that we want in order to be dedicated to him. And he's already told us a hundredfold now in this time in the world to come, eternal life. Still in Galatians 5.24. Galatians 5.24. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. You all love things and have lust for things and crave things and want things. Do you ever want to watch TV? I want to watch TV. 
I have an affection for TV. I want to watch it. But it destroys my spiritual life and my soul and it destroys anyone who watches it. You cannot be a spiritually minded Christian and watch very much TV. At all. They are totally incompatible with each other. And so it says in this verse, they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. We've put it to death. To take up your cross and follow Jesus means when you want to do something that's not going to help you serve Jesus better, you put it to death. You nail it to your cross. No big laws. He left the venue of eternal glory that he got to view every day to come into this world and be laid in a manger for me. I think I can put up with turning off the television. Is the trade fair? Totally unfair. It's all of grace. All I want to do is give him something back, and I hope that we all do, by taking up our cross and following him. That was 524. Look at 614. Galatians 6.14, God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. I hope you all know this verse. Too many of you are looking at your Bibles. But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of my Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. The world is crucified to me. Now on my cross, remember, take up your cross. You can also nail the whole world to it. Everything this world has to say and has to offer, every fantasy that you've ever had in your minds, and every one of you, if you'll be honest, have fantasies of lust that war against your soul. Nail them all there. Nail them all there. And you know what I'm going to get to next. It's that word daily, but we can't go there yet. It's just what does it mean to take up your cross? It means to take the world and everything that it says is good. And the things that you have found to be sweet to your flesh, you nail them there. I am not going to do that anymore. It's dead. It's gone. It's hanging on the cross of Jesus Christ. He died for me. I'm putting it on that cross. It's over. I'm not going to do it anymore. Any choice for Jesus Christ, where you make a choice, I can serve the Lord better if I would do this, A, than doing B. Every time you choose A, that is taking up your cross. But you can't ever whine or complain about it. You whine or you complain about it, you're not doing anything. You're a pretender. You're not a disciple. You're not a Christian. You're a pretender. There's no boasting if you sacrifice something about you being something great. The Apostle Paul, even though he sacrificed all for the cause of Jesus Christ, he never boasted about it. He said, I am what I am by the grace of God. And I have not yet attained to much of anything at all. Right. If, you've, if you remember Philippians chapter 3, it's still too much for me. Yep. When I feel that I can get my hands all around it, we'll try it again. My soul around it, and the Lord will have mercy on me. It's so the Apostle Paul from Rome at the end of his life, writing as if he was just getting started. It just whips you down to a wet noodle, doesn't it? But the grace of the, and power of the Lord Jesus Christ and His Spirit can cause us to live a victorious life and to follow in His footsteps. Just like He said, be followers of me as I am a follower of Christ. He's our pattern. It was all done to Him and He was looking around for more that He could sacrifice to the cause of Christ. Don't ever use circumstances to excuse you from taking up your cross. Circumstances cannot cause you to sin. And circumstances can't excuse your sin. They are the squealing of a pretender. Don't ever say, if only this was in my life, then I could be a better Christian. For change wouldn't make it easier. Satan's lying to you. If only I was married, I could be a better Christian. Oh, yes, that helped Adam too, didn't it? And he got a perfect wife. Adam, who walked with God, got a perfect wife. You've never seen a woman that looked like Eve. Never. Not in your wildest imagination. And she didn't have a sin nature, and neither did he, but look what happened to him because he had a wife instead of God. There is nothing that will improve your situation to help you be a disciple. 
It just comes down to bending over and picking up a block of wood and carrying it for the cause of Christ. Don't keep waiting for something to get better, and then you'll be a true disciple. Do it right now. Don't ever say it's so hard about discipleship, for it's a glorious blessing to be counted in his number. I don't hear the saints complaining. I've already mentioned tonight, burning in the fire, millions of them for the last 2,000 years, and they didn't complain. I want you to look at the verse. I promised you this morning I was going to make you look at the verse where God ridicules anybody who complains. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 4. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 12, 4. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. There God is comparing your sacrifices and your, your cross compared to the cross of Christ. I don't have time, but if you read the first three verses, it's the cross of Christ, especially verse 3. Verse 4 is you've never done anything close. Let's come to the word daily. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily. Daily, brethren. Luke has this word daily, and that's what we want to focus on, and we've only got a few minutes left. But you know what it means. Now you just got to remember that it's something we have to do every day. We must deny ourselves, realize that Christ's kingdom is one of suffering and self-denial and death. It's a a crucified life for the cause of Christ, but we have to do it each day. Did you know that the the segment of time we call a day is by God's choice? Where do you think it came from? Part of the Big Bang? God picked a day. And that is a period of time that we are supposed to pick, take up our cross and follow Christ. Too big. Our little minds can't even grasp it. But you can grasp a day. You've only got a little bit left of today. And all I want you to leave this service with is, what can I do today to take up my cross for Jesus Christ today? Today. He's not asking you for tomorrow. He's not asking you for next week or next month, but to take up your cross today for Him. The segment of time called a day, God created it, and it's in Genesis chapter 1. It is not coming to church one day out of seven. He doesn't say take up your cross weekly by being at services from 10 to 12 and from 6 to 8. We can't compartmentalize our Lord and restrict Him to Sundays. Hebrews chapter 3 says that we're to exhort one another daily while it is called today. today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Because, Jesus would say in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 34, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. You've got enough evil between now and when you are asleep to keep you busy. And if you don't know that, you're missing God's definition of a holy life. Right. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. We've got enough before we get to sleep. All of you married folks know all about that, don't you? Let's see. You know, my wife's going to be coming home at about 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. I've got to make a choice. Do I want to stay in bed or do I want to get up and meet her? When I get up and meet her, to deny myself and to take up my cross and be a loving husband, what kind of a loving husband am I going to be at 3 o'clock in the morning? Am I going to tell her how glad I am to see her or am I going to let her know that she sure did mess up a night's sleep and I did miss her and the food was difficult to heat and the microwave and all those two days of cooking that she went through to leave me all this labeled stuff in the... Ref- what am I going to do? You know, this is still today. And I, I, could, I, I could make this list that long of what's going to hit each of us this day before we can even get to bed. Right. Sufficient to the day is the evil thereof. When you go home, what are you going to say to your children? How are you going to say goodnight? How are you going to say goodnight to your wife? How are you going to say goodnight to the Lord. Sufficient of the day is the evil thereof. You know, Moses wrote in Psalm 90 and said that we're going to live to be 70 or 80 years of age, 80 if we're strong. And he says that we ought to number our days and apply our hearts into wisdom because that's a a period of time that we can manage. And a successful life in any endeavor is done a day at a time. That Lance Armstrong that I told you about this morning just a little bit, who's able to ride 2,100 miles in that Tour de France, did not train in one heavy week of training before the Tour de France started. He's trained for years, one day at a time. 
Remember? What am I on? My bicycle six hours a day. That's what I'm on. What are we on? We have our cross to take up every day, daily. Because it's daily that you accomplish all athletics, and the Bible uses athletics as our symbol. We're running a race. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27, to achieve a crown, it's done a day at a time. You can never see the progress one day at a time. You just keep doing what is asked of us, and that is to take up our cross and to deny ourselves and follow him. And do you know what happens when you get a string of days put together? There is progress. There is turning your legs over in a certain gear at 90 RPMs and your heart rate only goes to 85. Because now at rest, your heart rate is 28. You don't get your heart rate down to 28 beats per minute at rest. Uh, That's Lance Armstrong. I'm, I'm going back to him. Because he rode so many hours, so many days, day after day after day. If every child of God was to seek being a disciple and with the same level of zeal, our sensitivity to sin, love of holiness, and hatred of this world would rise in the same proportion that his heart rate went down. And we would find that living the victorious life can be done while we're here in this world. And the joy and peace that would fill our souls from an unfettered, a spirit of God not grieved nor quenched to fill us with the love, joy, and peace of the Holy Spirit. But we don't put the same zeal into serving Christ the way that they do into achieving a corruptible crown. Satan wants you to look at long periods of the future. What kind of a life am I going to have? Forget it. Today. Can you take up your cross today? Satan wants you to look back and look at all the years and months that you've wasted. Forget that. That'll discourage you also. Today. You know what you can do with the whole past? Whenever Satan comes and says, look what you did in the past. Look at all the years you wasted. You know, look at the carnal church. Look at your carnal life. Look at a 10-year block in your life. Do you know what you get to do with that? If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's under the precious blood of Jesus Christ and we just go straight forward and we put up the shield of faith saying, God is just to forgive me with His blood that was shed for me. That's in the past. And I'm going to take up my cross and follow Him. My biggest concern for our church backsliding sliding away and we're doing it every day sliding away sliding away and if we if god does not arrest us by the preaching and by his spirit by his word and by your faithfulness we will slide away and one sunday will be a little farther away than we were the previous sunday and we will slip into the congregation of the dead We backslide every day. We default to backsliding. We backslide automatically, quickly, always, and only by nature. That is why we must take up our cross daily. The backslider in heart shall be filled with his own devices. Proverbs 14, 14. Each day we must repent and take up our cross. A lost day dulls your conscience. You let one day go. One day lost, where you didn't take up your cross, you dull your conscience, you start a bad habit, you give place to the devil, you weaken your resolve, you feed your flesh, and you stunt your zeal. One day at a time, there will be progress made and God will give you the strength. The next day will be easier. It is true in every endeavor. And God has promised us strength as our days. Day by day, He will give us the strength. And that is not only a song, it is also the words of the Apostle Paul. And follow me, Jesus said. I want you to remember the word daily. That means today. As you leave here today, before you can be asleep tonight, there is a sufficient amount of evil and a sufficient amount of opportunities for you to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow Jesus Christ. Let's do it. Let's be disciples of Jesus Christ. He says, and follow me. He's already done it. 
he set his face toward Jerusalem and he went there steadfastly. He suffered many things, many injustices and cruelties by the Romans and the Jewish leadership. And then he was crucified in the cross of Calvary. He's already done it for us. And he was a glorious example. He didn't revile when he was being threatened and persecuted. He didn't threaten back. He humbled himself to that life. He was the Lord of glory. We're nothing. Can we humble ourselves to serve him? This is what he wants us. This is how we prove our love to him. Will we show a little bit of crucifixion in our life by taking up our cross for him? He'll take us home to heaven forever and ever and ever. Our religion is a sham, a show, a profanity, a blasphemy, a hypocrisy if we don't live this verse. We cannot take the name of Christ if we're not going to live this verse. The good life awaits those who truly want to follow this text. The good life in the spiritual sense. The way of transgressors is hard. Remember Lot? Forget Lot's wife. Remember Lot sitting in the mouth of a cave with his life totally destroyed because he didn't want to live a life of self-denial and take up his cross. He liked Sodom. The more Jesus Christ gives a man, the more we owe him. To whom much is given, much is required. We've been given much. And I believe today by the attentiveness that I've seen, you've all been able to understand what I've said. Therefore, we are held accountable for what we've heard. I more than you. May God help us to live it. What shall we do? Remember from whence we are fallen, repent and do the first works. It's my cure for everything. Revelation 2.5 Remember from whence thou art fallen, repent and do the first works. Take up your cross and follow Christ. If you've heard this message today, you've heard, you have work to do today. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him today. And tomorrow morning, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him today. But tomorrow morning it will be tomorrow but tomorrow morning it will be today. And so we do it daily. And may God bless us to be his faithful disciples so that when Jesus Christ comes back, splitting this atmosphere wide open and revealing himself to be the blessed and only potentate, there is one congregation of saints in the earth where there are true disciples waiting for him, zealous of good works, confident in seeing him who have lived crucified lives and can meet him with joy. May the Lord bless us to that end. Yeah.